rolling. What's happening, y'all? Andy and Zach, A to Z, no BS, with a special guest, our first of the year. Sam, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Samantha. <laughs> Great start. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I feel like I've had to, like, because Andy asked me, like, a week ago, and I was like, oh, God, I have a week. And I felt like I've had to do homework and prepare for something that you don't really have to do homework and prepare for. So that's been my week. <laughs> All right. All right. So she's, prepared. she's more prepared than we are, I'm right? I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious on how you've been preparing. Not at all. She's the most professional one in this podcast. I love listening to podcasts all day, so I've just listened to all sorts of podcasts, and that's that. Not really preparing, just listening, consuming. How many podcasts have you listened to where the hosts drink beer while they podcast? Well... Beer? Yeah, or just... So I started a podcast where they drank beer and I didn't like it, so I turned it off. It was called this, like, A to Z... I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was uh, these... It's Left a negative review and everything. <laughs> <laughs> no thumbs. Um, but, no, it was these two comedians. One of them I love, and Tom Segura. I think oh, he's very he's, funny. He's but it was just a little too much, and I was like, that's cool, moving on. But then you've got... I do have one that I listen to where every time he always goes mm. oh. before he starts his podcast on my joke and that is um, <laughs> Big Greenfield but I haven't listened to him in a long time uh, well, that's a weird yeah that's why I haven't listened at to him least, in a long time at least we have the respect and courtesy for the audience to not slurp our drinks yeah. directly into the microphone. Right. Like I just did. Like you just did. Well, well that was I mean, for demonstration purposes. Me. Right. So it works. It Other played. than that, it'll be all back here. Um, cool. Well, so apart from uh, this last week of busying yourself with podcast research, yeah. how do you typically like to spend your time? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm a productive person. I feel like if I'm not... If I'm not doing something, then I'm not, like, winning at life. But, I mean, you know, I train. I teach yoga. So I got I have a degree in exercise science. I've been training for 15 years. And my niche is special populations, so injury, illness, disease. And uh, that's who I work with. Originally, I wanted to go to physical therapy school. Decided at the last minute that I didn't want to be limited to a doctor's prescription. And uh, the politics that come with that and so yeah so I, I train I teach yoga I go outside I love being outside as much as possible camping kayaking cooking I love food that's all I got she's sort of my inspiration for being more outdoorsy lately yeah because she does a lot of outdoorsy stuff like a lot of kayaking you're yes. a professional Kayaker. Whitewater kayaker. Yes. Whitewater kayaker. Yeah, so that's you, what I you do. Lead, um, you lead groups, is this my understanding? So I do a variety of things. Um, on the grassroots level, I like. I feel like I have to, sorry. Um, that's why I'm just like looking off. <laughs> I was going to say, you do not have to address. Say your audience is right here. I'm just, right. Hello. What's <laughs> um, the difference? <laughs> but um, so on the grassroots level, I I attend demos, which isn't really something that's happened since COVID, where people get together and enjoy being together in public. Um, but I basically I help people find boats that are right for them based on what they like to do. Um, kayaks for me, I'm not very much a girly girl. I do like to like dress up, go out, have fun, but 
to me, my outdoor gear is like, girls have shoes, I have kayaks. So I think I have eight at home right now. And each one is for a different function. All for whitewater, but so I help people find boats that are right for them. I lead people down rivers who are learning how to kayak. I teach people the basics, basic strokes, things like that. Um, I volunteer for a lot of whitewater organizations. So there is a local community, the TSRA, and they have a big they call it the rendezvous, but it's a big gathering every spring. And so they'll have trip leaders, people like me, who will take people down rivers, stuff like that. Um, and then on the like professional side, um, I paddle class four or five whitewater. So that's like waterfalls, downhills, steeper creeks. And I like to do play boating where I throw a lot of tricks on waves and holes. I don't feel like I'm great at play boating, but I absolutely love doing it. I am definitely more of a downriver kayaker, bigger water, steeper water kayaker. And that's what I do. Amazing. Super intense. Well, well, allow me to state the obvious and say it's, it's so cool and kind of refreshing to hear from another fitness professional who has something to talk about besides working out. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. You know, here. like, uh, obviously we're gonna get into the, the fitness and, and that whole thing and the training, but you have a passion and essentially a career mm -hmm. that is uh, wholly focused and centered around an outdoor physical activity, yes. which is super cool because a lot of us who are trainers in the fitness industry, and we've talked about this so many times, we work out for workout's sake, and that's okay, but I always find that um, a fitness professional who has some sort of context for how training can be beneficial for a lifestyle that is active in and of itself, but outside of the gym environment is, is, uh, holistic and and refreshing and and just adds um, something more to the conversation than three sets of ten. Oh. <laughs> How much you bench? <laughs> right? Do you even lift? Um, I think it's it's fun in a way and it's great for direction and like you said, holistic. That's more kind of my style of training, especially since I focus on people who have injury, illness, disease. My training is not just strength training, of course it is strength training, but it's strength training for the purpose of enjoying life, not necessarily leaning down, cutting, gaining muscle mass, whatever. All of that is a byproduct of what I do, which I think all of that is a byproduct of, of working out in fitness in general, or it should be. But um, yeah, so it'll, I have clients, they're not whitewater kayakers, not all of them, but their goal is to feel normal at life and in the process they get stronger and they feel better all that stuff and then for me personally it can be a little bit difficult because I like to go into the gym and just lift and then I'm like okay well I also have to offset I have to offset the damage that kayaking does to my body because I think that people don't realize whenever you do a specific sport over and over and over whether it's you know, soccer or tennis or kayaking in my case, 
you're used to working in very specific movements. And if you're wanting that holistic approach, you have to offset a lot of that. So sometimes I can't always do what I would like to do. Um, but yes, it, it, it's a little bit more of a gray area, but I like it. It's a puzzle. So yeah. yeah. Wow, she's a bowler. Well, she's, no. you're a natural podcaster. I can, you really I can, are. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. No. Uh, well, let's let's back the train up just a little bit here, and to provide the listeners with a little bit more context, uh, you and Andy have uh, a history. You guys have been friends for a number of years, and it sounds like you kind of share this same backstory of initially going for this uh, physical therapy track and then veering off and then veering off of it so um, uh, Andy or Sam uh, take the lead here how did you guys meet work yeah work I've known you for a hot minute yeah it was since like 2014 2015? oh gosh I think so 2015 like probably 2015 sounds about um, right because I moved here to work at a continuing care retirement community that was my big breakthrough <laughs> in the fitness world and um I loved it <laughs> and then I got coaxed to come to a gym with strength and conditioning Sorry. And um, yeah, that's where I met you. You would come over. And I think I more worked mornings and you worked evenings. So it was hard at first, but I think it was what the beat and brew. There was this Thursday night thing where we'd have a hard, like, random workout and then go drink beer. And that's how we bonded. That's right. Yeah. Full circle. Right. It was those <laughs> evening, uh, the, yeah, the beat, beat, beat and brew. Beat and brew. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, like a group workout and then we all drink. And that's. And at the time when I came on board, she was fairly well established in this place and I was the new guy but I was looking for other qualified coaches because I had been working by myself for a while and so in an effort to find other people that shared you know similar values and you know their approach to strength and conditioning I reached out and found this gym and Sam was working there and so it was it was good for me because I needed that sense of community for me personally but also professionally so um, I think that's how it started, and then we've just kind of been friends since. Yeah, we hang out. We hang out socially, Do shoot things. the shit. Um, so yeah, and it's like, and it's become more than just fitness. You know, like I know Andy and his wife, and we <clears throat> definitely meet up and shoot the shit, talk about outdoor things, driving cars, and of course, <laughs> not just fitness. cars. Not just any car. Not just yeah. any car. Yeah. Toyotas. Toyotas. I mean the best car. No the best cars. No, I mean we've, we've already we've already mm. broken the ice with trolling the Tesla owner in the room. That's so. true. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's been really good. Yeah, our our you know original sort of friendship grew out of the strength and conditioning and fitness side of things, and then again she does a lot more outdoors. I'm a total noob with the outdoorsy. I used to when I was a kid. But you know what you're talking about. That's the good part. Like, well, I, don't, I don't think you're a noob. Well, I'm learning. And so when I have, like, outdoorsy, camping, adventure questions, I'm like, Sam, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I need help. I need guidance. So, yeah, we, you know, we'll talk about cars. We'll talk about, you know, going camping because I'm inexperienced and she... You went to, what, Grand Canyon for, like, two weeks Yeah, over Christmas and New Year's. Like, one of the coldest winters on record there. It was brutal and the best experience. 
one of the best experiences I've ever had. Right. I'm not talking about like, let's go for a weekend <laughs> and plug in. <laughs> like, let's live out of your kayak for 14 days. Yeah, that kind of camping. Wow. Like that, it's some extreme stuff. So I, I feel like when I talk to her about camping stuff, I'm in good hands. So yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll go out to get beers and talk mad shit. Yep. So yeah, it's been cool. It's been fun. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Cool. Cool. So with physical therapy, that being like a track, and again, Andy and I have talked about this a little bit, I'm a little bit out of the loop in the sense that I didn't even get into the fitness industry. It really didn't even cross my mind until after my university schooling. So okay. I, have, I have no real context for what that's like, but I myself have only recently um, had physical therapy. Obviously, I broke my leg yeah. last year, and that was my first exposure to really a hospital. Right. Like, oh, that's right. That was your first in, like major injury. Ever. Since oh I, my gosh. Like like since I was born. <laughs> so this so this whole thing is kind of kind of new to me. But uh, for a little bit of the origin story, what what did you go to school for? Did you did you go in wanting to be a PT? And then what was it that kind of veered you off and then what what kind of track did your career kind of take from from there okay so i wanted to be a lawyer from probably eight years old to 17 and then i disappointed my father <laughs> um <laughs> he came around but uh when i told him i wanted to go to physical therapy school you wanted it, to be a lawyer I just wanted to be a lawyer. My dad wanted me to be a lawyer. I was, and I was say, like, like, I to... love debating. You like to argue, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm the oldest of five. Please. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so there's that. But so I was kayaking. Um, here's what happened. I had been kayaking for just a couple of years. And I had the opportunity to hike into this river called the Green River Narrows. I wasn't good enough to do it yet. And at the time, I took a lot of photos. Um, so I would kayak the things I could, and I would photograph my friends kayaking the things that I couldn't. Mm. And it's one of the more difficult trails in the southeast, mainly because there's a lot of erosion. But it's not fun, and you're like climbing as you're hiking. So you get to hike, it's straight downhill, super difficult, and then you have to like find finger holds and toe holds to get over certain parts. And it's gotten a little bit better now, but. A million years ago, when I was 16, 17, it wasn't as great. But uh, it was me. I was 16. I was a little nervous about it because I knew it was a difficult trail. And I had these two like late 30s, early 40s women. And one was larger, and they were older. And I was like, all right, OK, I can do this. I can keep up. They kicked my ass on the trail. One of them, I asked them what they did, like what they do for a living, whatever. One of them is a triathlete. And the other one was a physical therapist. And I had, since I started kayaking two years earlier, I've been obsessed with how the body works because understanding the body means you can become a better boater. And so I, I was like, that's amazing. And I just became obsessed with it. So I entered school for physical therapy. And in my first year, I had this amazing academic advisor who told me about the world of exercise science. And I was like, Hell yeah. <laughs> so it was me and a whole bunch of jocks. And um, it was the University of Memphis. And uh, it was wonderful. And I worked at a physical therapy clinic, loved it, loved every day of it. And the more that I learned, 
and started volunteering at other community centers, gyms, things like that, the more I realized that the body is not just piece by piece, that it works as a whole. And in physical therapy, at least, like I said, 15 at least, 15, 16, 17 years ago, you know, a lot of doctor's prescriptions would come from general practitioners, not necessarily orthopedics, unless you had had some sort of major injury surgery, whatever. If not, you go to your general practitioner, I have elbow pain or shoulder pain, okay, go to physical therapy for your shoulder. Well, really, it's your neck that's causing the shoulder pain. And as a physical mm. therapist, you're kind of like stuck. So you treat the shoulder, but the shoulder is just a byproduct of what's really going on. So do you risk that referral source by saying, hey doc, you're wrong. Of course, in better, more professional ways, but you know, so it's, it's kind of that part. Right, so you're legally bound to- You have to do what the doctor says. Stay in your lane, so to speak. Yeah. Right. And so there's that. And of course, like I said, lots of things have come since then. But um, I just, it was awesome to be able to work with people who had injuries and help them with that and be able to target what's wrong. Not that I'm saying I'm like a physical therapist by any means, but I get to work the whole body. I get to strengthen the shoulder, stabilize the shoulder, stabilize the neck, strengthen the scapula, you know, well, you know what I mean? But, um, but I get to do all of those things. And then in addition, if they want to lose a few pounds in the process, I get to do that. So yeah, that's kind of what I did. I graduated, I took an extra year of prereqs for physical therapy school and then decided I didn't want to do it. <laughs> so yay physics. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> Andy, does that does that somewhat parallel your experience where you just kind of realize that this is not the gig that you thought it was or that you wanted to do? Similar but not the same. Uh, for me, like I, I can I respect and I appreciate physical therapy um, for what they do, and especially as someone who's had a shoulder reconstruction and bicep reconstruction for sure respect that line of work. But I am a crab of a patient. <laughs> like I'm a bitch when it comes to like doing all the work and like getting better. And it's a very slow process. It's a very, it has to be, because mm -hmm. you're recovering from a major surgery or injury. And so I was bored to tears in those PT clinics watching people do this or that exercises, you know, over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I was an athlete in college and, and before that, so I wanted to be on the, the more exciting side of things, which is like strength and conditioning. Now I would probably look at what I do as the more fun, exciting, strength and conditioning, whatever, but also preventative for a lot of people. You know, being more physically active usually checks a lot of boxes for, you know, random low back pain or, I don't know, achy shoulders is yeah. you know the more we move and the, and the more variety of stuff i can throw at people they usually become a little bit more resilient and avoid a lot of the issues that they might otherwise run into in a pt clinic so and it just happens to be a little bit faster paced so again like tremendous amount of respect for what physical therapists do and i'll refer out 
in a second if I think I need to. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it just it wasn't fun for me in those clinics, and so now I get to do stuff that's a little bit more high paced, a little more my personality. And I'm not shitting on physical therapists either. I love them and I respect them. And just like you, I wouldn't hesitate to um, to refer in a moment um, because it is really important and they do something different than what we get to do. And yeah, it is. I think a, a couple of things. Um, one, in physical therapy, a lot of people are there because they have to be there. They've hurt themselves. And unless it was a big traumatic accident, <clears throat> then... Um, then what people don't understand is it takes a long time to develop back pain, for instance. So it takes a long time to fix that back pain. It's not like you spend five years doing the same thing the wrong way, sitting at a desk all day, whatever, and then you get to have this magic pill. And so, so people do get frustrated, and they're there kind of because they have to, quote unquote, have to be there. They don't necessarily want to be there. They want to feel better, but they don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to do what I need to do for myself to make myself feel good. And I think that's a big difference between like training and physical therapy is people find us because they want us. We don't have necessarily doctors referring to us for people that have to have to get better. Um, and then, of course, training, you get to say things like fuck a lot. You can't really say that <laughs> in a physical therapy clinic. So. Also on a podcast. I told right. her. I was like, I, told, I say fuck all the time. I was like, don't be nervous. Just say fuck. You've thoroughly broken the ice. How did you do it? The, the F word ice. Um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like uh, I can see how there is a, a, a magic pill mindset and one step removed from that is a prescription pill mindset and yeah. one step removed from that is a maybe a physical therapy um, prescription, so to speak. So yeah, and, and obviously the, the mindset that our clients and students bring to the training environment is really the X factor that makes things work or not work and so that's that's what's really great about being freelance mm -hmm. um, you know especially with you know now I think we've all respectively developed our own uh, respective brands and what we stand for and who we speak to and and how we speak to people and that narrows the field that narrows the demographic so to speak of the people that we work with but those people who self-select mm -hmm. into these ideals are the ones that we can help the best. So that's kind of the yeah. that's kind of the double-edged sword of the whole thing. So that kind of leads me to the question of okay, coming to Nashville, what has your Nashville journey been like? Um, where have you worked, and what's that? Um, you know, what's your what's your dynamic been like since being in town? Especially as a coach. A whirlwind of amazingness. I mean, it's had its ups and downs. I love fully, and that includes, like, my job and my training. Um, I started at a retirement community that had, like, two... They brought a girl in two hours a week. And continuing care retirement community, it's, it's a retirement, you know, community. So you have independent living... You have assisted living, you have like a memory care unit essentially, or um, 
nursing home, which politically is called a SNF, a skilled nursing facility. And then you have employees that also need to be. So I came in and I was supposed to just work with one level, which was independent living. And I wound up developing by myself a four-tiered wellness program. And that was super cool and amazing. I was kind of thrown into it, but I, you know, having worked in physical therapy, you see a lot of Medicare patients, so a lot of seniors, a lot of the same population. But, um, so I went from that to, to a pure like strength training perspective and or studio. So instead of like being at a place where I had a captive audience, so to speak, I had to go to a place where I had to learn how to sell myself, which was very new. Mm. We can say that. It's intimidating. Um, but And then from there, it's kind of been... It's been amazing. I feel I I am a spiritual person and I do believe in God and I feel like in the sense of training I've always been provided for. And so I did not have a good experience at the place where Andy and I met. It was not a great experience and it it sort of went down in a dumpster fire. And in the course of a week of having basically walked out of a facility, it was amazing because then I was freelance for my first time and working for myself and in two days I had half a book and it sort of just went from there. And so ever since then I've worked for myself but I collaborate, I collaborate with a lot of people because I know that I am not the smartest and I know I know what I'm good at when I'm not good at but Andy, being able to follow you um, before I even met you, and um, you know, even the yoga instructors that I've worked with—it's just the community here is amazing, and that's one thing I love about Nashville. It's a little bit different having been back from Chattanooga because I was here for eight years, went away for a couple, came back because I missed it. But the community—I think one thing that there's a certain level of us and one thing that we understand is there are enough people to go around there are enough clients to go around mm-hmm. we cannot single-handedly serve all of that sometimes there's too many people <laughs> to go around right and so and we all know what we're good at and we all know that i think like i said it's not the mindset of every coach or trainer in the city but the good ones know what they're good at and what they can serve their clients in, and they know what they're not good at. So if they have people that approach them that they think a different coach could serve better, that person gets referred. And so in that sense, that's what's really opened up a lot of doors, if that even answered the question. Sure, sure. (laughs) Well, I I think the, the Cliff Notes version there is you had an experience with a a dumpster fire of a facility or of a of a working relationship and if you're in this business for you know more than a twinkle of an eye you're going to experience going through a dumpster fire of a situation very Mm -hmm. true uh i've had had my fair share yeah 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 right maybe maybe for the patreon episode we'll 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 name names (laughs) yeah that would be real fun that would be real fun to just take two and a half hours and name names. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be fun, but you will have to pay for that. Absolutely. Yeah. That is not free content. That is not free content. But yeah, and and there is this um, 
there is this oddly, I, I mean, I really think it's the, the quintessential like American spirit of like venturing out on your own and it's scary and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but you have to kind of call upon skills that you're both rooted in and skills that you have to learn on the fly, yes. like selling yourself. Confidence, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, same thing. Yeah, right, right. Stop me. Um, but yeah, and for some people, that, that journey is a, a long grind. For some people, it's a short grind. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think that's a very valuable uh, skill set or mindset or experience that any coach should kind of go through, which is where do I fit in the marketplace? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, like you said, for some people, it's more grueling than others. I think they're two different. In my, fift, my 15 years of being in the fitness industry, there's two things that I wish that I had done. And one, it stuck to my guns. Um, I have actually paid for two business coaches. And they're both Instagram business coaches. And it was $11,000 <laughs> down the drain. And when in any time that I was true to myself, that's when my sales were the highest. That's when I was the happiest. That's when I was actually connecting with my clients. And then the, so six year guns. And then there's a second one, but I'm nervous. So <laughs> that's cool. You're doing but great. stick to your guns. Oh, and know yourself. The more you know yourself and what you want, instead of trying to please other people and say yes to clients that you really know that you can't serve, the more you know yourself, um, the better it is to stick to your guns. And I think the easier the journey will, will be. It's still hard no matter what. There's still a lot of uncertainties. There's still a lot of scary stuff, especially in the business world. If you didn't, like if you went to school for training, you know, training. And you study to be a trainer, but you don't study how to be <laughs> a person and to create community and to, you know, like sell. <laughs> That's not what you necessarily go to school for when you're learning how to train. Well, you know, that's always the hardest part because we go to school to learn the nuts and bolts of coaching, you know, sets and reps and volume, intensity, yeah. whatever, whatever. But developing a personality for being a good coach or just a coach that people want to come hang out with or it doesn't even have to be that they want to come hang out with but that they like and that they trust yeah. I think we all have different approaches for how we you know talk to our clients how we communicate what that atmosphere looks like what that environment looks like and it works well for the people that are in my space but I would be the last person to be like I'm a great person like coach for everybody because <laughs> I, I know what I'm good at I know who yeah. who my audience is and my client base loves it. And if they didn't, they would leave. Right. And I've gotten to the point now where I'm okay with that. I'm like, it hurt at first. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, like a kind of like a breakup. You're like, but it is, but could I have done anything differently? Do you remember the first client you fired? I never fired a coach. You've never fired. I've have never, you ever had to fire I've a client? I've thought about it a number of times, but I've never no. fired a client. Really? I've had to fire a couple of clients. But that's probably because, no, that's probably because. Actually, we talked about, we had a long podcast just a few weeks ago about potentially firing clients 
and we we skirted around the whole subject, but <laughs> neither of us ever have. Right. So maybe you could fill the gaps here. <laughs> so I think the first thing that happens, okay, the first client I ever had to fire, it genuinely was then. They started out as a certain person, and then they they turn into a different person. Mm. And so kind of like a relationship. No, I'm just kidding. Sort of. <laughs> but um so but it is it's like it was fantastic for a few months and then they just got very lazy and complacent and they kept booking this time anyway. And it was it that like, you know, you work in the morning, you have that like nice time at home and then you go back to work basically as a trainer. So it was like right in that sweet spot time where I could go let my dogs out mm. and I would give up that space for her. And it's because I love her, I want her to succeed, all of that stuff. And then she just would stop coming. And at that time I wasn't freelance. I was working for um, the dumpster fire. Where The dumpster fire. And the thing there is like, if you don't cancel, then you're still charged. And then she's like, you know, why do I have charges for the whole month? And I'm like, because you booked the whole month and you never canceled them. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think that you wind up, a trainer winds up getting in a situation where they need to fire a client is whenever going back to what I just said, you're not true to yourself or you're trying to people please, stuff like that. There was one client, the only other client I've ever had to fire where I would drive to him he wanted 5:45 in the morning which is a prime spot sure and in our interview he basically was like you know I whew, he drank an ungodly amount of alcohol and he you know smoked he took drugs things like that and and he basically wanted me to to text him and to make sure that he uh wasn't drinking, wasn't smoking, things like that. I was like, I'm not your mom. That's not my job. Yeah. So kind of that type of deal. So taking on someone you know that you don't vibe with, um, to use the youth's terms, but um, like someone you don't really vibe with. If you take on clients where immediately you know you're compromising, it's never going to end up well. So that's probably why you guys have not had to fire a client. <laughs> well, there have been a couple that I've, I've, like, I thought about it for, like, years. Like, years I thought about firing a client. And, it, and, I, and I didn't. And I'm glad that I didn't in retrospect. But I was not ha I mean, I was miserable for a couple of years. It, it's, a, it's a delicate balance. You guys will both appreciate yeah. this. When you're, when you're building a business, you need the experience. And you need to be able to pay the bills. And so if you don't vibe with a client 100%, um, if you don't vibe with a client a hundred percent, you can't just go firing everybody. Cause then you're like, you're done, you're done. but there's also a difference between vibing. Like sometimes you're going to be off. Everybody has off days. Right. And even though trading is amazing and I love it, it's not, at some points it's going to feel like work. So you are still going to have clients where it is inconvenient, but they're showing up. Right. Even though it sucks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, it's, I mean, you know, it's like anything. I think it's hard to, it's to, you almost have to tread all over boundaries as, a, as an individual and as a, like a work professional mm -hmm. before you know what they are. Yeah. Like for me, a clear, easy boundary for me is I don't like evenings. I don't like to go home and then have to go back to work. 
Yeah. I despise it. It's a weird shift where I don't feel like I work a day in my life except afternoon, oh, yeah. and then I hate my job. It's grueling. I'm just like, ugh. So I don't, I don't do evenings. And, it, and some people were baffled by it, or weekends. Some people were baffled by it. And I'm like, look, I love all of you guys, but even I have my own limits as an individual, as a coach. And I, you know, I think I'm a great coach between these hours. And if I'm resentful going back to work, like eventually I'm going to burn out yeah. or I'm just going to be an asshole. And I don't want to be that person. So yeah. I have to be protective of my time so that I can be a good coach and I can show up and like be on for all those people. And I know what, what my good coaching looks like and what my bad coaching looks like. And so I just have to be protective of that. I'm curious on what your bad coaching looks like. Less fucks. No, probably more fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Too many. Probably no. It's it's it, you would probably look at it as like lazy or not lazy. Low energy. Low energy, like despondent. Yeah. It's just it disconnected. Is, and yeah. it is tough. I mean, I've been yeah. I, I get up at four o'clock in the morning most days of the week. So to go back and be at work at five o'clock in the evening is hard on me physically. I'm just not in it. Yeah. So and I I don't drink caffeine that late in the day because I I need to go to bed to be back up at four a.m. So it is really tough to show to. When I say show up, I'm talking about physically, emotionally, mentally show up for those clients that need that. Yeah. And I know that I can't deliver it, so I don't do it. So, yeah, but I've, I've thought about firing clients. <laughs> I think we've all thought about really firing clients. Really thought about it. I've also <laughs> thought about leaving my job and moving to like, I don't know. What's that? What was that? Where'd you go in um, Central America? Costa Ecuador. And Ecuador. Or Costa Rica. I thought about Both just doing that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to sell all my stuff and move down there. Peace out. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, and I've also thought, never mind. I think we all have days like that too. I've thought about some other stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Some <laughs> online only content. That Andy's deep Behind thoughts. a paywall. <laughs> Save it for the Patreon. <laughs> We're going to film that content after the podcast today. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, one thought that I kind of had there was, you know, what we learn in school, so to speak, the exercise science, uh, the book knowledge is checkers. Coaching is 3D chess. Absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I got out of, well, I had my, I got my first client when I was 19 years old. It was part of my externship. Well, maybe I was 20. It was part of my externship for, um, for school. And I had to put in like 360 hours. And so part of it was training. And I got my first client. He had post-polio syndrome. He was in a wheelchair. And I told him, whatever sessions you buy, I'll match for free. No problem. 26 sessions or something <laughs> like that. Uh, no big uh, uh, so and then I'm like okay <laughs> now what <laughs> you know it's like I went to school but it's like what <laughs> happened now watch what you oh, say man. jeez but um but yeah it is there's it's it's not the same like you take your book smarts and everything and 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 intellectually you get it and then you're put into the real world and it's not the same yeah yeah. I had a mentor that once told me, it's not what you want to do, it's what you can do. And I think about it all the time, especially when I'm in a room of like three or four individuals and I'm trying to run three or four individual programs with limited equipment and space. Yeah. It is choreography, as you 
so yeah. eloquently put it, <laughs> it is choreography to get it done and done and done well. And I'm still learning, but um, I think I've got a decent handle on it for now. But those foursomes are tough. Yeah. So Sam, these days, what um, I, I guess I should say, give us some context for how you approach training these days. Who who is your let's say ideal client? What is your style of training? Give us give us a scoop there. I, I have a follow up question for for the both of y'all. Um, oh, okay. Um, these days, um, my clients are, I would say, I mean, I definitely have quite a few clients in their 20s, but most of my clients are 30s and up, um, 30s all the way into 70s. But it's, like I said, people who want to look good and feel good, but their main goal is to function well and to, to not go through life and go through their day thinking they have to change what they're doing because of pain or because of injury or because of whatever. So my client's in their 20s. I only have one in her 20s who's perfectly healthy and just a, a beast. But a few girls I have, like one girl has a reversed C-spine and like has a lot of you know, weight to lose and we've been able to do it and knock it out of the park. And I have one client who's in her 20s who has like fatty tumors all over her body and I have but other than that I have clients with a lot of spine issues and shoulder issues and hip issues and so it's learning how to it's learning how to get strong so you're pain free but it's learning that you can do it and that doing it the way one person the way one person is able to achieve their day or their strength or their movement is not the same as the other as another person. So my clients are people who kind of look at people on Instagram and social media and say, I want to do that and look like that. But I understand I want to feel good first. I want to move well first, things like that. That's a lot of words. I'm sorry. No, that's um, words so, are how we <laughs> But, and also you're the guest. You're supposed kinda, to be saying the most that's words. That's kind of what it is. And honestly, it's, COVID has been really good to me in that sense because I think that it has kind of reframed and restructured how we think about fitness and how we think about how we care for ourselves. So I don't, sorry, I don't personally <laughs> feel like, I mean, I think there's a difference between fitness and wellness. And a lot of it is structure and mindset. But um, I definitely feel like I fall on the side of wellness other than fitness and so do my clients. My clients don't want to lose 20 pounds for the beach. I think that's really incredible because what I was sort of hearing is that you're finding ways of empowering people who might otherwise not feel empowered. That's what I need to write that down. Well, but it's yes, recorded. no, it's, it's true. <laughs> it's recorded. But I mean, that is the point. Like, I hate it when I have people that come to me and like they can't walk the whole day. Like they can't be on their feet the whole day or something like that, you know? And um, and just, it's amazing what pain does to your mindset. That's, that's that. <laughs> right. That's really incredible. You're, I mean, you're breathing life into people like 
that maybe have heard that they can't do it or have had difficulty you know, with, with everyday routine, like things that I would take for granted, or maybe some of the people that I work with, because I, I work with fairly capable people that are pain free. And so it's sort of, an, I never really have to think about like working around this or that, or even just allowing someone to, to, to feel and experience movement that's pain free for the entire day. So it's a completely, you know, we, we all do the same thing here, but we just work mm-hmm. with like slightly different populations. But it's something I don't really have to think about much. And so mm-hmm. that's really cool and, and that's very inspiring. Thank you. <laughs> What's that follow-up question? Well, it had nothing to do with, that was a very inspiring story. This is, and then I'm not, now I'm going to be all let's, business-like. Let's and, go for it. Well, so he was asking about what your training looks like today. You both do a lot of content creation you especially and then you and i've talked about it you started yeah, doing a lot I more have flow, well, yeah. currently we're all co-creating content right now we so are. as far as i'm concerned I'm, as of this moment we are all on a level playing field i'm really right just now. piggybacking off of you guys whatever but, so um so uh i had another question oh i, I did want to talk if we have time because and we might so i want to know about like content creation like what the goal is with your content a and B, like let's say content. What's the goal of your content creation today for twenty twenty two? Because we're still early into twenty twenty two. So what's the goal for the year, or maybe the next six months? So there's that question. And then if we do end up having time, we mentioned off air, getting out of our own way. I think that this is a good corollary because I get in my own way for content creation, which is part of the reason I'm asking the question. So, Sam, you're our guest. I'm gonna let you go first. Y'all, I talk so much. No, the, you're all, you're a guest. Um, <laughs> if you didn't talk at all, it'd be weird. So, okay. First of all, advice. Um, one thing that I guess has come up for me over and over, especially in the last few weeks, and something that's worked for me really well in terms of content creation, is is create. Like, if you don't know what to do, create based on what your clients and what you're talking about in the gym. Like what your clients are asking you about, things like that. Because I always say chances are they're not the only ones with that question. My sister gets so mad at me. She lives in Florida. And weekly she, she sends me questions about fitness. I don't think she'll ever listen to me, but she'll ask me. And I always post her questions in my responses. And she's always like, really? Could you not? But she's not the only one with that question. Yeah. And so it's perfect. For me, I've built-in media content right there. <laughs> but um, but whatever your clients are talking about, chances are, like that's what you need to write about because those are the types of people you're connecting with. Right now, my content is not necessarily for to drive sales or anything like that. It used to be, and I do have an online program, and I'll post about it and things like that. But I want people to just feel good, and I really want people to understand that. Fitness on social media is not necessarily what fitness looks like. Like there's Instagram and then there's real life. There's the 20 year olds you're following and then there's 40 something year old moms. Like it's not the same. And even what you see isn't the same. And so I think it's to to bring a little bit of clarity and gravity to what people want and expect and what their goals should be. It's probably bad. I'm over here <laughs> being Debbie Downer for all of 
social media. I'm just kidding, but I mean. Yeah. Well, well, you also left out drugs. You know. Uh, lighting. Yep. Yep. Photoshop. Photoshop, Facetune. All of it. Oh, so, that's a good dig. It. And then that is a that is all, but that goes back into like getting out of your own way. Right. So well, anyway, I took a dig at the fitness community a while back with an Instagram you? post. I, I called it the picture of Dorian Gray. If you've read yeah. the book, then you know what I'm talking about. But that's, do you know the story? Side tangent. Andy should have his own podcast called If You Read the Book. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> if You Read the Book with hey, Andy Van. Yeah. He's my go-to guy for that. I'm like, I, quick, I need a book. Oh, <laughs> I am, I'm actually reading a couple good books right now. I won't admit any of you are. All right. But The Picture of Dorian Gray is an old book by Oscar Wilde. It was actually, at the time, when it was written, super scandalous, and they, like, burned half of it. So it's actually not as risque as it sounds. Going so you can only it. read the second half? You really only half? can read. It's weird. You can only read, like, a small section of the book. The middle half. The, uh, yeah, the middle. <laughs> the Oreo stuffing. <laughs> it's the double stuff. They took it from double stuff to single stuff. <laughs> as long as they saved the best part. That's all that matters. <laughs> So what if they took out the middle? What if they took out the middle? Then it would be a bad out, book. It sounds so like they took out all the, the, the good and stuff. And then that's it. Yeah. So, picture of Dorian Gray. Basically, he does a deal where <clears throat> he can do all this hedonistic, fucked up stuff. And he never ages. He never looks bad. He looks young, youthful, vibrant, awesome. And this portrait that this guy does of him, the portrait starts to deteriorate based on his behavior and activities or whatever to the point where it becomes this grotesque disgusting disfigured version of the actual dorian gray i liken the fitness industry to this analogy mm. in that behind the scenes there's drug abuse like physical like uh, relationship abuse you know disordered eating mental health issues the fitness industry is rife with a lot of not great so great stuff and I'm not saying that we need to necessarily throw it out in the open and talk about it. I just, what I think that people ought to understand is when they indulge in all the fitness content that's online, that there's some really good looking people out there. That, and, and there's a lot of people doing really great work. I don't want to mm -hmm. throw everybody out and say it's all bad. There's some really great coaches doing really great work out there. Two, the, both of y'all are great. In, and there's a number of them. But the entire fitness industry as a whole has a very kind of like, ugh, like backside. And I just try to remind people of that when, when they're indulging in their fitness yeah. or content or, or whatever, that there's a lot of like gross stuff behind the scenes. And just to keep that in mind, I don't think that the fitness industry has any leg to stand on to be casting any stones and telling anybody how and why they should be doing certain things the way that they should be doing because behind the scenes it's pretty grotesque it is and there are a few people i think that actually talk about that one of the fitness podcasts i love is mind pump i don't know if you guys ever listen to that but i love them and one guy um one of the guys i can't remember who it was he was getting ready for a show so it's when he really starts cutting and i really loved that he put on social media he said look for the people who follow me now until the time I'm show ready is not healthy. The behaviors that I'm embarking on are not healthy. Right. And I think we compare how we think we should be or we compare, you know, ourselves 
how we are now to these people who are doing unhealthy things or people who have been practicing stuff for years and years and years and years and years. Like, I'm not as strong as that person. Well, that person's also been lifting 20 years more than you have. I'm sorry. I really want to know about Zach's content. Well, no. But to in 2022. Well, to your point, though, I, I think that, yeah, there's a lot. I think more, I think more honesty and transparency in the fitness industry and mm -hmm. in content creation is, is, should be a goal for 2022. Not, not for y'all, because y'all do great, again, y'all do great work. No, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's like, y'all should stop and let me catch up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I just, I think some honesty and transparency would benefit the fitness community and the consumers of the content. Sure. But, Zach, you have goals for your content for the, for the year. Yeah, no, man. To, to put a bow on, on uh, what you and Sam were speaking of, comparison is the thief of joy. And if, if there's one thing that a trusted coach should be, it's honest. Just take that how you will. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give an answer that I don't know is, is going to be helpful to anybody, but... I've been, I've been thinking about this. I, I've thought about this a lot, obviously, over the course of years with being serious, more serious about creating content online, um, but especially more here recently. I think for me, it kind of comes down to three overarching uh, goals, if you will. The, the first and the most immediate one is I want to throw my hat in the ring of, of business. You know, I make no bones about it. I, I, I want to be uh, one of the top experts in my field. Right? I, I make no two bones about that. And I, I want to see the results of being that, that level of expert and authority in the marketplace just like anybody else who I think makes any sort of, any, any posts online. Um, so, so there is that, let's say, uh, immediate return on investment that I am you know, very much uh, interested in as someone who has to pay rent in the city. Right. Mm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so true. Uh, or, or who wants to enjoy a drink or two in the city, right? Um, longer term and a little bit a little bit more in the air is I can see myself in in the future transitioning my my services into something else that's not just a sole proprietor so I I have long-term goals of starting and operating a company that is based on simply my content mm -hmm. and, and kind of almost using, using my content as a, a filter device uh, and a vetting device for both clients and employees. Hmm. Kind of like the next honor. Right. Only the first Zach Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You know, so so that's part of it. So there's kind of like the short-term business goal, and then there's the long-term business and lifestyle goal. Yeah. Um, and then super long-term and really out in the ether is um, I want my progeny, 
my great 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 grandkids who I'll never meet to be able to hang out with me quote unquote virtually by virtue of the content that I've created over the course of my life. So we're just gonna upload you to the metaverse. Yeah. We're gonna make him to a hologram. So they get to learn from his content, but also be with him. Would you be called like great grandpa? Like what what is that? Yeah, what do you wanna be called? Well we have a long time to figure that out. (laughs) Okay. True. Um, It might naturally settle in as Papa. Yeah, right. Um, I'm you know good Southern. He is from Virginia. But as, as someone who has only just discovered one or two of his first gray hairs, I, oh my gosh, you're I, so I'm young! You. I'm only just now starting to think You're a about. Child, yeah, we'll I, cover this. Yeah. <laughs> right I wear, here, I wear a hat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm being honest, like I think it it's, I I, it would be really cool for me to be able to look at a video of my ancestors of what they were like what they sounded like what they look like and you know we only have at least speaking for me i only have black and white photos of you know two generations ago we're gonna be one of the first generations to have accomplished that exactly Mm. exactly and it's like you know it it would be so cool to kind of see you know farther back into the past so to speak um so like america's home videos Hashtag Bob Saget. Why? Hashtag Bob Saget. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, but yeah, so so I, I think it's also interesting to kind of consider the frame that like any behavior or any choice that we make kind of has different levels of motivation. We uh-huh. have immediate drives, we have intermediate term drives, and we have like let's say legacy motivations. And so when I think about what I'm doing, like professionally, those are kind of the three levels of, of motivation that I, I, I try to keep in mind. You guys have your shit together and I'm so envious of that. I feel like I do not at all. Well, it, you appear to have your shit together. And so- I, I think just, he's the one that has his shit together. I just wake up every day and show, like stumbling into the gym and I'm like, okay. Some stuff's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. To wrap up, ooh, I'm going to nail this one. To wrap up, real quick, little round table, and i got to think about it, so I'm going to let you guys go first. Um, Getting out of one's own way, um, I want to know your advice, Zach and Sam, um, either given your goals for, for... content creation this year or fitness or business or life um, either uh, something that you recognize in yourself that like sometimes you stumble over as far as like something that's in your way or, or whatever you get what I'm trying to say or um, advice to our audience who because we talked about New Year's resolutions last uh, last week um, going into the new year Anything, any advice that you have to help people um, not get in their own way so that they can be successful with their fitness and nutrition and health endeavors? I'm going to throw it at you, Zach, or Sam, whoever wants to go first. I choose to say this advice to others instead of myself. Um, What I would give to others, especially in goal setting and in 
2022, all of that stuff is one, don't look at other people's goals. The goals that you have for yourself are okay. They do not need to be validated and they do not have to match others. So your goals are your goals and that is fantastic. Two, whatever those goals are, put parameters around them and get specific or else you're never going to achieve them. But don't look for others' validation and don't make your goals other people's goals. I really do love that because every time I've gotten really lean, like visible abs lean, it's that weird, I use the, the analogy, you cross that finish line and nobody cares. Right. <laughs> no one's thinking about you yeah, like so you're thinking about the, you. The point is, to, to, to piggyback off of what you said, if your goals are not meaningful to you, they're probably not going to be meaningful to anybody else. And you're not going to achieve them. Right. Because they're not yours. Right. So I think that's critical because, you know, if you're not, if you're not doing it for you and for your own goal setting purposes or whatever then it's just it's going to be meaningless once you, if you if you do end up reaching it mm-hmm. at the end of that line when you cross that finish line it's going to feel very lonely yeah so do it for you yeah i think that i think the theme of nobody cares has been like the topic of more than a few podcasts <laughs> at, at this point <laughs> at this point um, so take from that what you will I kind of forget what the question was, but... How would you advise our audience to get out of their own way? Or how would you get out of your own way? Yes. Hmm. I think it has to start with a clearing of the chalkboard. Um, like not being too stuck in the past, not worrying too much about the future. But, you know, as, you know, cliche as it may sound, like really making it a priority to try to stay in the present moment. Yeah. Because so much of our our thoughts and then by extension, our emotions, and by extension, our behavior, and maybe by extension, our neuroses or whatever, <laughs> kind of stems from, you know, circling the drain of, of thoughts that don't carry any real weight. And I think if there's one, I think if there's a, I, I think the fundamental benefit of things like meditation and then kind of one step from there, the benefit of things like training, kayaking, being out in nature, engaging in some sort of behavior that produces the state of flow mm-hmm. or whatever that just kind of helps to clear your mind and kind of helps, helps you to see above the fray of maybe what you're you know, constantly mired in. Speaking a little bit for myself, I'm not trying to put this on anybody else, but. Uh, I, I think really the, the, the value of presence, of mindfulness, whatever you want to call it, um, the value of that is that, is that you can just get out of your own way. And ideally, that just kind of manifests itself in the moment with however it needs to be. 
So that's, that's maybe a very woo-woo thing to say. But um, I think in probably in every era of human existence, but I think especially now where the world, both at large and the world in the micro, in our own heads, there's like so much going on and it's so easy to be discontent. It's easy to be angered. It's easy to have your emotional buttons pushed mm -hmm. from all sides. Um, I, I, I really think it has to come back to um, just, you know, again, using my own words here, a combination of relaxing, realizing that nobody cares. That kind of should be a, a somewhat of a liberating mindset. Right. <laughs> um, and, and hopefully that brings some clarity to, to your existence. And existence only happens, as far as I know, one moment at a time. And you can't do anything about the past and you can't do anything about the present. So why don't you just realign yourself yeah. to what's going on right now, right in front of you and take the next step that you can. And to put a bow on this, because this is a, a fitness podcast, a fitness show, I'm not your guru yet. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this is, this is why I feel like training or following a program, or sometimes not following a program, is so valuable to the human animal because nobody's going to lift the weight for you. Right. And 10 reps on paper is 10 reps on paper until you make it happen, until you make it manifest or, or whatever. So uh, again, I always like to say like training can be a, a very, very, um, like spiritually fulfilling thing because we're, we're matching what's here with what's here in the, in the physical world. Um, and, and so that's just one of the many reasons why I feel like what we do is so important in helping to facilitate the environment where people can be uh, comfortable and confident to express themselves through their their training. Hmm. I mean, it's so gorgeous. I don't know if I want to crap on it with my response. <laughs> Too bad you have to. I'm pretty sure you want. I'm um, okay. Your response is a perfect example of getting in one's own way. What? Oh, well, half of my response I already talked about last week. <laughs> I'm just repurposing it. Well, let's repurpose it. All right, it's very simple and very straightforward um, and, and fitness related, but probably anything related. Um, two things. The first is depending on what your goal is and like how you're trying to go about it. See if you can rework your mindset around um, or away from outcome to process. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Zach and I talked in the podcast last week. I'm trying to lose some weight. It's going okay. It's going, it's going okay. Um, to, but to piggyback off that, what I'm doing is I'm recognizing patterns, what's going well, what's not going well. So, I'm changing my processes 
to facilitate the goal of losing another <clears throat> 25 five pounds, um, a lot of weight. Um, so facilitate that goal. But the other part, and this is the this was new for me, and I think that this is critically important, is grace. Yeah. I took a month to retool my weekly routine in terms of like what I eat and what that looks like and what my training looks like and sleep patterns and whatever. I gave myself a month to not get it right at all. Mm -hmm. To like just mess it up. And the whole time I was like, okay, it's okay to not do it great. It's okay to mess up. Right now we're just retooling. We're seeing what works, what doesn't work. And then like, we'll see what kind of happens. So there has to be like a little bit of outcome feedback because if I was gaining weight, then I'd probably be like, all right, something's way off here. Point is, try to fall in love with the process because it's going to be easier long-term to achieve those outcome-based goals if you can fall in love with the process that, that is geared towards that goal. And then the other is grace. If you, you know, if you don't get it exactly right, it's okay. That's feedback that allows you to do something a little bit different, to retool, to go back to the drawing board. You know, if you... Uh, air quotes like slip up and eat a whole pizza while you're stuck home with COVID, then you're okay. You're going to be okay. And, and taking that in stride, I think is critically important, especially in these early months where people have lots of goals and lots of ambition, you know, very motivated. You are probably going to have those days where you slip up or, or whatever, and that's fine. It is fine. You're going to be okay. And, and just take it in stride and then back to the drawing board or get back on track the next day. Yep. Bruh. Love it. Okay. What wisdom? I mean, two beers in wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the name of the Patreon episode. <laughs> I'm just going to name the episode the title that. Two beers wisdom. <laughs> Fourbeersin.com. Four <laughs> well, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time and, so and for joining thank us. You. And um, yeah, anything that you want to wrap up on? Uh, well, first of all, I admire both of you. And oh, so I'm you. so thankful to be here today um, because I learn a lot from you guys consistently. And that's it. <laughs> um, do you have any? So you mentioned that you have an online program. Do you I have do. anything that our audience, like, how can they find you? If they want to follow you. Um, SamanthaBruner.com. Okay. And then also on Instagram, I think it's Coach Sam underscore EP. I'm pretty sure that's Okay. But um, that's where, and then on YouTube, but that's all linked to the Instagram and to the website too. So I'm moving a lot of my stuff to YouTube this year. I'll still be posting on Instagram, but a lot of my actual content of movement and things like that will be on YouTube. Okay. Very cool. Check her out. Dig it. Thank you. Do the thing, buddy. Sam, thank you again for joining us, our first guest of the year, A to Z, no BS. Oh, let us give one quick shout out to our official, unofficial sponsor, Zahn's Brewing. I had the new oatmeal stout today. I did too. It was very good. You're telling me, bro. <laughs> if it wasn't, uh, you know, if I didn't have my own goals for January, I'd have had another two of these. Oh, I didn't eat today so that I could have this. Food. No, I'm joking. I didn't eat. <laughs> no, again, thank you so much to Janine behind the bar and the whole Zahn's crew. 
um, for the space, the time, the delicious drinks, the social and conversational lubricant that keeps this show going. We, uh, we really do appreciate it. Sam, we appreciate you. Thanks for coming in. It was a great conversation. And um, was your first or your 52nd episode. We appreciate you listening. A to Z, no BS. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>